When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, from what we saw today, we bowled, I think it was about 50-odd overs and took six wickets, so, um, and... The wicket, I think, after a bit of traffic down it from both ends looked, um, looked quite nice with Gazza bowling into that rough. So I think Ash and Gazza, um, big day tomorrow for them with probably the more so the ball spinning in um, with a number of lefties and, and righties um, for both them to work with. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes. It's our day four wrap from the Sydney Cricket Ground. And that was Australian fast bowler Josh Hazelwood talking about the Aussies' chances of forcing a result tomorrow and then guaranteeing themselves a spot in the World Test Championship final. Quite a significant carrot. You'll be happy to know I'm not on my own today. My old mate Paul Dennett's back. Paul, how are you? Hey, Menes. Hey, everyone. Uh, I really enjoyed today. Shows how much Test cricket really is good. You couldn't really get much of a worse Test match than this. So much time lost to rain. Really didn't look like there was going to be much to play for. But I found that the um, the Aussie bowling towards the end with the South Africans trying to hang on, uh, really captivating. And gosh, Cummins bowled well towards the end. Yeah, I agree. And uh, this is actually where the World Test Championship is perfect because, you know, this test series and match might be petering out with no real uh, interest, but that broader context adding importance to this result it's given me anyway a lot more interest in the climax tomorrow because you know it's australia is going to really struggle in india so you know if they could guarantee it now that that's huge i was actually unaware of that i was enjoying it for the for the sake of the match but i I take your point and actually um one of the uh, commenters on one of our videos the other day one, one i put last night about the new zealand pakistan game i was angry that that was called off and he sort of said oh, well, neither side could make the World Test Championship final, so it didn't really matter. And I thought, that's a very modern comment. <laughs> that's, like, um, um, that's showing that the World Test Championship certainly work, working for him. 
Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into the scores. So Australia declared on four for 475. That is because the first session was lost, unfortunately, due to rain in the best city in Australia. And that meant um, Pat, Usman Khawaja didn't have a chance to make his first double century in test cricket. Uh, Hazelwood said that had Australia started on time at 10 a.m. this morning, they were going to bat for about an hour and try and get uh, some ease, quick runs to give themselves a bit more to play with. Um, but once they lost the first session, uh, they didn't. Usman Khawaja was interviewed after play and uh, said that he went up to Cummins and said, just do whatever you want. So um, Australia declared at four for 475. Uh, Paul, I know you sent me a message last night that Australia should have just declared straight away, regardless. Yeah, I think so. And I think that um, I, I I hope that they would have declared straight away if um, Kawaja, sorry, what am I trying to say? Given that they said that they weren't going to declare straight away, I hope that that wasn't influenced by Kawaja being 195 not out. I suspect it might have been. And that the notion of uh, getting an hour's cheap runs was kind of a cover for the fact that they didn't want to be looking to be making the decision for the wrong reasons. I get the notion of making it, um, the follow-on enforcement more likely. I just think on balance, um, they, they were more likely to win the game if they declared right at the start today, assuming that there was no rain, rather than batting for an extra hour and getting more runs. And regular listeners will know I'm normally the other way. I'm normally all for batting on. Uh, but in any case, um, it was good that they did declare. And I think it's a bit disappointing in the media how now they're trying to beat it up as though it's a controversial decision. I, I think it was a pretty, it was a no-brainer once the rain came. Yeah, I agree. There's no controversy about it at all. I think it's just a good story. Someone left. I mean, I, I think it's only happened... This is only the third time it's ever happened in Test cricket that a captain's declared on a player in the 190s. It happened to Frank Worrell in 1960 and Sachin Tendulkar in 2004. So it is a rare occurrence. Um, so I understand the sort of um, people being sort of, well, giving it some attention. Um, if it was happened to Frank Worrell in 1960, um, he would have been the captain. So he's declared on himself there. I'd have to go back and check the stats on that one. Uh, who was captaining then? Well, are you sure no, Weeks was the captain? You, I'm telling you, it was Frank Worrell. Okay. So he declared on himself. Well, that's a little different if he declared on himself. Um, so before plays, well, there were some issues with the covers that um, some water got on the pitches because they've got new covers and the stitching, there was a little hole in it. Um, but the, they're, they're going out of their way to say this had no material difference on when they started play it was just something they had to deal with but the rain kept them off uh but yeah concerning there's a hole in the covers at the scg oh it's really disappointing and look i, I take it that maybe they're right that it didn't really make an impact um but there's talk that they had had to swap to different covers because there was um sponsorship on the covers which of course has allowed everyone outside of Sydney and Australia to laugh and say only in Sydney do you, is, it, <laughs> is it economically viable to have covers with the sponsors um, logo on them because no other country, no other city um, has the has the covers deployed that often. And Ricky Ponting in in commentary was talking about tomorrow's forecast and it began with you know possible early shower and he said oh that should be the forecast for every single day in Sydney. Ricky Ponting lived in Sydney for many years. It's not normally this bad. Our the, our weather has been poor the last few years because of La Nina and it's been embarrassing, but 
it, you know, for those living around the rest of the country thinking that it just rains every day in Sydney, that is utter nonsense. Um, and you were right at the, at the top of the show, Minas. It is the best city in Australia by a comfortable margin. Uh, but they've got to get the covers right. And I agree with the other um, criticisms of why aren't they covering the a wider area? I mean, I don't know the... The, the maths behind it, but it would seem to me that the ones that they have in Sri Lanka are the best. We just cover the entire ground. Um, if there's some reason that they don't do that, uh, that can educate someone can educate me on, great. But if it's just because of a cost reason or something else, that's crazy. Yeah, look, I, I know from the Sydney cricket ground, seen a lot of games here. The outfield doesn't usually stop them getting back out there. So I don't think covering the outfield is the issue. It's got such good drainage. drainage. You never have real like puddles forming. Like, I think the drainage, and this is not a slight, but the draining at the Sydney Cricket Ground is probably better than some of those grounds in Sri Lanka. So I don't think that's going to make a difference to when they get on and off. Um, yes, but um, I, I take that point. But still, there were times throughout this match where you look at Cricket Info delayed due to a wet outfield. Um, that's that's not good enough. If, if they can cover it and not have that problem, then then do it. I don't know if you cover the whole thing, um, the whole well, outfield. No. Why not? Um, well, maybe let's let's. I mean, let's. Uh, I'd I like mean, to see them try. Of the of the, of the possible um, technical challenges in the world, that doesn't seem like I could imagine how you would do it. Just get a big cover and put it on. <laughs> That's true. You'd have like a big sort of rolly thing, like a pool on one side, like they do it. Is it Lords or one of those grounds? Anyway, I think it's Birmingham, so, the umbrella. Yes, that's it. Um, so then, so Australia declared, they started after lunch. It was actually not till one forty-five. play eventually started. And um, so Australia effectively need 20 wickets in five sessions to win this test match. And it was actually, as Paul said, for a really exciting afternoon. South Africa finished six for 149. Nathan Lyon, one for 65. Ashton Agar's Ashton Agar's return to Test cricket, seven overs, none for 19. But it was the two quicks, Pat Cummins with three for 29, who who I just thought bowled so well this afternoon, Paul. Uh, I have to make a sidebar here. Uh, about five minutes ago, I arrogantly said to Menes when he said uh, he'd have to check whether Frank Warren was the captain. I arrogantly said he was the captain. Um he wasn't the captain. I've just checked. <laughs> so, <laughs> apologies. Um, it was Jerry Alexander who was the captain. So, yes, my arrogance has, has caught me up. So, apologies, Menace. <laughs> Smug Dennett caught out again. Uh, it's like our DMs. All right. So, Pat Cummins, three for 29, bowled excellently. Um, J- Josh Hazelwood returned to the test side, two for 29. Um, some terrific stuff. I guess, you know, a few talky points from today. Uh, well, just start there, Paul. I mean, I thought Cummins and Hazelwood in particular were, were, were terrific today. Uh, both of them, absolutely. And um, gosh, Cummins is a good bowler. Uh, his record is, we talk about it all always on this podcast, that he's putting together a record that if he keeps it up, he's going to be right near the very top in whatever statistical analysis you want to look at. And the way that he was coming in around the wicket, the, that LBW he got, the one he almost got, and just fast, furious, and accurate, um, you know, just um, superb. Really, as I said, really entertaining to watch. The type of cricket you couldn't take your eyes off. Hazelwood was superb as well. Uh, I thought Lyon bowled, um, bowled really well too. They, they all looked good. Um, they probably wish they had Boland in there um now but I, you can't be too critical they weren't to weren't to know necessarily that that much play was going to be was going to be rained off 
Yes, um, uh, on Cummins, the, the dismissal of Zondo where he he set the field like he was going to start bowling short and then got in with a Yorker was terrific. Um, on, on Boland, actually, you know, Nathan Lyon, I think before play today, said that, you know, he wanted Australia to go with five bowlers in this match. Uh, he thought it would be better for the pitch. And considering he's played so much here for New South Wales, might have been worthwhile they listened to him. I mean, Renshaw, I mean, the rain's changed the whole nature of this game, but I see where Lyon was coming from that, you know, you could have done with three quicks today and then you might want your two spinners tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, and that's the the disadvantage of Green not being in the side. That that balance that it gives to the side is just so amazing. All right, a couple of talking points. So uh, very early on, uh, Josh Hayeswood found the edge of El- Dean Elgar's bat. Steve Smith dived forward and and took what looked like a absolutely sensational catch um, and one-handed sort of diving to his right forward and just terrific athleticism from Smith, beautiful hands. And then it was referred upstairs and it was given not out. I think it was out. I think the catch was taken. Josh Hazelwood was asked in the press conference and he said he thought Smith took the catch and he thought um, Marnus was out in the first innings when the the catch was ruled uh, a no catch. So uh, Hazelwood was pretty decisive about that. How did you see it? I think that the the laws should be written in such a way that it was out. But I think that the way that they're currently written, the fact that it seemed to me like the ball brushed the grass, even though he didn't use the grass in any way, shape or form to take the catch. It was a, it was a clean catch. It was just that the ball, because it was so close to the grass, a blade of grass probably brushed the ball. Um, so I, I think that the umpire got it right in giving it not out. But I, I don't like the fact that catches like that are given not out. Um, I, I don't know how they can write it in the rules. I said facetiously on Twitter that the third umpire should have to be drunk because a drunk person would have given that out for sure. Um, I, I, I think it's unfortunate because it was such a good catch. And it wasn't one of those, as I said, that, it certainly didn't bounce before his hand. He didn't use the grass to the ground to, to grasp it. It was a clean catch. It just happened to be in the vicinity of a blade of grass. And so, yeah, I, I think it should have been. I think the rules should indicate that that should be out going forward. I think, although the umpires actually gave the soft single signal as not out, which doesn't matter anymore because they'll only use the soft signal if the if the technology fails. I think this does indicate where the soft signal did have its advantages. Now, I stress it wouldn't have helped in this occasion, but a few weeks ago, back when they were still using the soft signal, had that been given out on the soft signal, it would have stayed out. And I think that that was why the soft signal was brought in a decade or more ago, because when they first started referring catches, they had to strike down catches that a lot of people as cricket fans just sort of said, that feels like it's out. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's some work to be done to, to get it better because we don't want catches that good being um, stri- uh, being scrubbed out. Yeah, you're right. That would have been on highlights packages well, for many years. It was just a ripper. Uh, a couple of, I mean, another little thing that happened was uh, Travis Head was fielding in close and Lyon came in, bowled the ball to Temba Bavuma, hit his pad, at which point Head turned around and appealed to the umpire. While he was doing that, the ball bounced up, hit Bavuma's glove and just landed behind him. So if it actually been watching the play, it would have been a pretty simple wicket for, for Lyon. So that was a bit of a head scratcher from Travis Head. That's something I think we'll need to work on. Did you see that one? I thought I watched every ball, but somehow I, I mean, I was I had the commentary down. I was doing other things, so that passed me by. I probably saw it and didn't didn't realize it because um, uh, the commentary wasn't on. 
Well, I mean, I missed it the first time, but then I saw it again. It was just a little thing I thought was amusing. Um, you can see it on Twitter, uh, on my Twitter, at a AMenas. Um, that's all I've got from the play. Paul, do you think Australia have a chance of taking 14 wickets tomorrow? Definitely. Um, I haven't looked at what Crickviz says, but I imagine that the draw is the the favourite option. But tell you what, I, I you know, if you had to put your house on South Africa surviving tomorrow, you'd be a bit nervous. The um, the forecast looks probably the best of all the days so far. We may well get the full complement of overs in, and uh, you know, it's a pretty flat pitch, so that you would expect that there will be many hours. You would hope from uh, from a South African point of view that they can hold the Australians at bay. But it often looks as though that's going to be the case and then the wickets start to tumble. I completely agree with what the Channel 7 commentators were saying today, Ricky Ponting and Justin Langer, around the fact that South Africa have just been so negative with the bat the entire series. And it's just, there's just no future in playing that way. And, the, the, you know, the, the notion of that, oh, well, they can't win this game, so runs don't matter. Well, A, even if that was true, it's still not the right way to play. But B, it does matter because the follow-on target is... a. Uh, is a massive thing for them. If they can scrape past that, then um, th- th- that's obviously important. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm give Australia a real chance of winning tomorrow. I do too. I think, especially if we start well and can if we can knock these last four over pretty quickly and get them back out there, I think that'll increase our chances. Um, I speak. You mentioned Justin Langer. Well, listeners to this podcast will be happy to know I had my JL moment. It was just him and I. And I said to him, you're a great coach. You're a legend. I didn't go into the whole thing. I thought you were shafted by the players because I, I didn't want to bring all that up. I'm sure it's traumatic for him, but gave him a tap on the shoulder and said, you did a great job. It was, it was a real nice moment. Yeah, it's funny because I, I got a text from him a few minutes later saying, geez, your co-host is a bit of a goose. <laughs> How many tests did he play? <laughs> hey, um, oh, no, I'm pleased you got to meet JL. Um, one other thing. Um, the um, umpiring decisions, I thought it was a little bit curious how that one where they gave it not out where the Australians, um, it was, it was a Zondo, I think, and I think it was, it was hitting him out, outside the line anyway, uh, but the, the third umpire was grappling to see whether or not he'd got some bat on it and ultimately it, just, it had just scraped the base of the bat um, and there's a spike there, and so he he duly gave it not out because it because it, it would um, it hit the bat. I don't understand why they don't have a, a reverse angle. They had a, a square leg angle, um, which was having the short leg obscure where the ball was from one side. If they'd, if they'd cut across the other side, they would have been able to see perfectly well that whether or not it was in unison, the ball p- brushing past the bottom of the bat. And the spike. I wonder whether or not just they, they don't have sufficient cameras. You know, wouldn't you wouldn't expect that in this day and age? They've got so many cameras there, but a square on camera from offside um, should definitely be there. And I think it also points to the fact what I think they are going to do in the next evolution of the laws, and that is say to the um, third umpire, you can choose whatever order you want to make your decision because it was pretty clear that was hitting outside the line. The Australians, when they first saw the first replay walked away from each other in a sort of disappointment, realising it wasn't going to be out. And then Kettleborough had to spend the next two and a half minutes, three minutes, trying to see whether there was an edge or not. And they never actually, I never actually did see the the Hawkeye um, display. I'm sure it would have been a ball or two with outside off stump. That should be the next change to the, the, the DRS protocol. Do what you think's first. If there's a clear thing, do that. And you can always go back and check for impact later.
I agree. That was so silly. Spent ages looking at this thing that turned out to be irrelevant. They, and even if there's like another screen that only the umpire can see and he can say to them, can you just show me the whatever it is, whatever that he needs uh, on the side before he goes, okay, let's skip to that if he knows. So it's just wasting yeah. the public's time. Um, that's not his totally. fault. That's the protocol as it stands Yeah, now. absolutely. Absolutely. But that's but how it's... they should change it. That, 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 then I think the next step is the one I've said before that you're not so keen on is that maybe that the, the, the umpire on field just gives the decision and the, the third umpire immediately does that sort of thing. Oh, he's given that um, not out caught behind. I'll quickly check. Oh, there's a spike. Hold up, hold up. A bit like they um, bit, uh, they do in rugby league. I think that that's um, the way that we should next go because then you will take all the challenges out and they'll get all the decisions right and it'll be quick. It certainly hasn't been a good series for DRS, and uh, I know that hurts Paul very, very, very much. Though um, well, it's also not true. That's just the, you just made a, a, a statement that has no. What, what do it you want? Hasn't about? Been a, it hasn't been a good series for DRS. You know the catches and the, the, that slow. Um, you know DRS. You know hasn't the performed that well. Part of DRS. No, but I'm not saying the like the actual referrals. Yeah. The, yeah, but the actual, like, the whole process, the whole process is just a, a little bit murky at the moment. Catches, replays, all these little little finicky things that aren't going right. Like, we need a bunker, we need experts, we need 50 screens, we need people that actually know what they're doing all the time and just snap, snap, snap. So the public and everybody gets the right decision quickly. I think this series, as all recent series have been, has shown, has been an absolute triumph for DRS. Maybe... Not a hundred percent as good as other series have been, but it's ninety nine percent. To say that this has been a bad series for DRS, um, I, I, the other day you said to me something I said was the stupidest thing I've ever said on the podcast. I think that's close to the stupidest thing you've ever said on the podcast. I knew that'd get you going. I knew it. Uh, well, DRS can do better. Let's hope it bounces back next year. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> Greg, did you see Greg Chappell's article? He's on it. You've got to read it. If Greg Chappell wrote the wildest article in the last <laughs> few days talking about how artificial intelligence is going to change cricket robots. Got to get him on the podcast again. Um, all right. <laughs> so well, that's it for our, our wrap. Um, I, I just want to tell you something that I think will – I think we need to dig into this a little bit more when we do our full show. And for those that didn't listen, uh, two days ago, Paul and I did a full episode. So go back and listen to it. There's some a lot of stuff in there. But Lee Jamon was interviewed by Jared Waitley. And Lee's been on this podcast a couple of times. He's, a, he's the head of New South Wales cricket and former international New Zealand cricketer. And I think he's very, very intelligent. He speaks very well about the game. And he was asked about particip- participation rates in New South Wales. And you know how we get all these fluffy figures that they keep going up? Well, actually, he said, it's actually time to be honest with them. And he gave two figures. He said that participation rate per capita in New South Wales is down 50% from 20 years ago. And he said, kids, I think five to 12 of that 4% take up cricket. And to give you an idea, 20% take up soccer. So he said there's real issues coming and, I think those stats are, are very, very um, illuminating. Yeah, and um, worrying. And I think the, the sad thing is that junior cricket is the best. It's the best time ever to play it now. When we were kids, you know, you, they basically you played it on the full full pitch, and if you weren't any good, you stood around in the field and thought, "What's the point of this?" Now um, it's it's finally made into a much more fr- kid friendly game. I. 
my local park, when I walk by and there's lots of kids playing at boys and girls, it's so much more fun than it ever used to be. So they've got the product. Um, it's, it's never going to compete with soccer. That, that's a huge junior participation. But as I said on the, on the full episode, it's a sport that always is, is, you know, reasonably high barriers to entry for a while there. I think that the Big Bash was, was really overcoming that. It has to get back to that, and they should be they should be throwing a squillion dollars at it. They should be getting it into the schools in every possible way. They should be using the marketing tips of the cigarette companies <laughs> trying to get kids to take it up. <laughs> That's the wildest thing you've said. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, and on that, Lee said, and, and it's a good point you made about how fun it is, he said that, you know, there's this impression if you're not that into cricket, you think, oh, it takes all day. But Lee said, like, at kids' level, like these blast games and all this, they're over in an hour or two. So it's just like playing your child playing one of the football codes. You're not forced to sit there all day watching. So, uh, look, I want to dig, dig into this uh, a little bit more um but, yeah, really interesting stuff from Lee Jamon, um, and you can find that on SEN. Yeah, and just that, that is a true thing that um, I, I wish that T20 cricket had been around when I was younger. Like people say, oh, you know, that you've got to respect the, the longer version of the game and everything else. Oh, quite honestly, I reckon T20 cricket would be so much more fun to play than the longer version of the game. I played like two or three T20 games only. Um, you know, if, if anything was going to get me out of, um, get me back playing cricket, it would be playing T20 cricket on a Saturday over in a few hours. Uh, you get to smash it everywhere. Um, lots of fun. Yeah. And look, I've been commentating on New South Wales and with you, the T20 cricket, and you know, it seems that at the lower level, it's embraced. People come and watch it. Uh, you can tell your friends and family come, it's only a few hours. So look, um, cricket's got some concerns, uh, but the most pressing concern is can Australia take 14 wickets and earn themselves automatic qualification in the World Test Championship final? Paul, do you think it'll be like the Socceroos? Like if we win tomorrow and get through to the knockout, they'll be like charging around the SCG like they've just beaten Denmark or something? <laughs> I was at the game. When, when the Socceroos qualified for the 20. 20- 18 World Cup. I was at Stadium Australia, and afterwards, it was a, we wanted to get a beer to celebrate, and the the one pub next to Homebush was shut. So uh, it'll be, it'll be more atmospheric than that, I think. Well, let's hope so. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back tomorrow with our final day wrap. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.